Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount, welcome to our podcast. This message continues our series, Questions of Jesus, with Pastor Omar Lopez. This message is called, What Difference Does That Make? Now, if you haven't followed us on Instagram, give us a follow at PC Paramount, also on Facebook at PC Paramount. And then check out our website at praisechapelparamount.com. Enjoy this message. You love the Lord today? Appreciate all of you being here this morning. We're going to get right into this message, but before I do, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you're in the right place at the right time, right now. And uh, we've been in a series this month, and we're going to continue it here in May, called Questions. Say question. Anybody got a question today? And really, it's, uh, it's about Jesus, and Jesus asked so many questions in the Word of God. In fact, the Bible records about 339 questions that Jesus asked. And the reason why he asked them, not because he didn't know the answer. How many know Jesus is the answer? He knows all the answers. But Jesus asked the question because he wanted to engage people in conversation. He wanted them to look at their own hearts. He wanted them to own up to a couple of things in their own lives. And really, that only happens when you ask the question. Now, when I ask the question, I'm looking for the answers. Am I right? But Jesus, many times, his questions had the answer. He answered a, a question with a question because the answer was in the question. I'm going to show you that this morning. But the various questions that Jesus asked, I'll give you a few examples. He asked a question about the soul. He said, he asked this question, what should it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his own soul? That was the question right there. What's going to profit? What can it profit you? You can gain everything that you want, yet you're going to lose your own soul. What shall a man, what shall a man give? in exchange for his soul. Another question, he said, can any of you worry or any of you that uh, by worrying add a single day to your life? I don't know, we could worry, but it's not going to do anything for you. Then he asked this question. This was a tough one when he talked about obedience. In Luke chapter 6, he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do the things that I ask you to do? That's a tough question, huh? And so this morning, I'm going to minister on a, on a question that Jesus asked, a very challenging question, one of those questions that just kind of confronts you. You ever had somebody just be bold and just, just put, it out, put it out there? And, I, and this question that he asked is really, really tough. One of the toughest places I've seen where Jesus really confronts somebody, and he confronts Peter. And I'm going to talk about something. I'm going to go right into it, and uh, I'm, I'm going to I'll read the verse of Scripture but I'm going to talk about the sin of comparison. How many have ever compared yourself to something, someone, somebody? And I'm going to read this verse of scripture here in the book of John chapter 21. And then I'll kind of give you the context. But I want to dive right into this message in John chapter 21 verse 18. And this is Jesus speaking to Peter. And the Bible said this is after the resurrection. And he says, what, what about, he goes, what I'm, what I'm about to tell you is true. This is Jesus speaking. When you were younger, he was talking to Peter, you dressed yourself. You went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you. Someone else will lead you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to point out how Peter will die. 
his death would bring glory to God. And then Jesus said to him, follow me. Follow me. That's a tough word right there. Peter turned around and he saw that the disciple that Jesus loved was following them. And he said uh, he, was, uh, he was the one who had leaned against Jesus at supper. And he said, Lord, who's going to hand you over to my enemy? Who had said, Lord, who's going to hand you over to your enemy? And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? That's our problem. We're always worried about everybody else. And Jesus answered him and said, if I choose for him to remain till I return, what difference does that make to you? You follow me. And so I'm going to pray and ask the Lord to help us as we get into this message. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We know that your word is true. We know that your word is relevant in 2021, that it applies to every part of our lives today. And so God, help us to receive this word because we deal with comparison every single day of our lives. There's so many things that we compare ourselves with, the way we look, how we talk, where we're at in life, so many things that we compare ourselves. But God, today, you would help us today bring clarity. Let the word of God just kind of leap out to us, Lord. Let it leap into our hearts today. Help us to receive it, to receive the word. Uh, God, remove every distraction today. I pray help us to give you our 100% undivided attention. I pray for the anointing of the Spirit and I declare your word and your people would hear the voice behind the voice and everyone said, Amen. So here's a unique question that Jesus asked and then it's followed by a command because he tells Peter, he said, what difference will this make to you? Another version said, what is that to you? Follow me. Or another version says, in the modern version, what does that matter to you? Can I get really, really right in your face? It's none of your business. You follow me. Right? It's none of your business. It's basically what Jesus is telling. How does that concern you is what he's telling Peter. I'm talking to you. Don't worry about this guy. Don't worry about that guy. And what Jesus was bringing out there, and I think it applies to our life today, is we're always trying to compare ourselves to somebody else. And we're always concerned about someone else when really all we should be concerned about is following Jesus. And so we compare ourselves everywhere we go. And let me give you a definition of comparison, and then I'll go right into the story and show you how these comparisons are being made here. But comparison is determining where I'm based, where I'm based right now, uh, on where everyone else is based. In other words, uh, comparison is determining where I'm based on where everyone else is. In other words, my base or my comparison is where everybody else is. And so how does that compare to my life? Compared to where they're at, compared to where I'm at, how does that work out? And we constantly are comparing the way we look, the way we think, the opportunity that we have, the talent. We're comparing our family. We're saying, man, I wish I had that family. I wish I had that talent. I wish I had that opportunity. And it's a thousand times more today on social media. Now, you know, don't don't crucify me yet. I'm not preaching and saying that all of our problems is social media. What I am saying is there's a lot of things that are in social media that will cause us to compare ourselves. 
How many of us, you, you've finally mustered up enough strength to get on the treadmill and you did two miles and you're, you're proud of yourself. You said, man, I did two miles. It took you two hours, but it's okay. You did two miles and, and you did two miles on the treadmill. You're pretty proud of yourself. And then you open up Instagram and who's there? CrossFit Carlos, man. And, uh, uh he's, he did two miles on, on a handstand uh, with, uh, with, you know, a kettlebell between his legs. And you're saying, my goodness, when you look at that and you compare yourself to that guy, you're saying, there's no way I can get this done. Uh, or you're pretty happy at the moment. You're in a great place. You're just hanging out. You're feeling good about yourself. And, and then you look at Facebook and you see Happy Hannah. And she's there and she's eating sushi at a nice restaurant. Uh, her man is well-dressed. Uh, and you're sitting there on the couch eat, eating frozen pizza. And your man is playing videos in his sweatpants. And you're saying, my, my goodness, what is happening here? You get what I'm saying today. And again, social media is not the source of our problem because in reality, uh, social media is, is something, it's like a vehicle. We're, we're in control. And the issue is you're in control of those devices. You're in control of that phone and it goes where you go. And, and basically you're steering how much of that media gets in you, how much of that social media you're on. And, and, and honestly, social media uh, it originally started to be uh, for a blessing so you can connect with people and people you hadn't seen. And now it comes into all these things in your life where you're comparing, comparing yourself. And uh, there's been a whole lot of studies calling the comparison trap in America. And unfortunately, people are comparing themselves and they, they're comparing themselves what they, what they don't have to what others have. Are they living better than me? Are they doing better than I am? I, I've read this article before, this uh, this uh, pr particular part of this article, and I'm going to read it to you again because I think it's important. It says, uh, social media is really one of the things that cause a lot of anxiety, increased anxiety in our society today. It's a megaphone for our achievement and it's magnifying, uh, it, magnifying, a magnifying glass for our insecurities. And when you start comparing your insecurities with another person's achievement, it's a recipe for anxiety. And it's across the board, no matter what platform you use, whether it's Twitter, or, uh, Snapchat, uh, you know, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. It seems that we're always comparing ourselves. And here's the thing that we need to think about. Uh, people aren't what they post to be, right? I said people aren't what they post to be. It's that... It, because you're comparing your life to their highlight. And when you're, you're there, I mean, it, it, it's crazy. There you are, you're, you're relaxing, and you're, doing, you're feeling pretty good about yourself. And then what happens? I just made these names up, okay? So if it's your name, we see Perfect Peggy, you know? And Perfect Peggy, she's got the green smoothie. She's by the pool. She's got this nice calligraphy writing. And uh, she has hashtag on there, you know, 
uh, my goals for the day, my scripture, uh, hashtag scripture, hashtag goals. Uh, and uh, it, she's sitting by the pool. Uh, and, and, you know, she's been exercising all day. That's all she does. She has her Bible opened. And uh, everything is just uh, the sun is right there. And, and you're thinking to yourself, why does she get to do all that? Why does she get to all of these things? And, and really what happened, these are the two deadliest words for every believer, if only. If only. If only I had that much money. If only I was as smart as her. If only I looked like her. If only my kids behaved just as good as her kids did. If only my parents weren't crazy. If only my in-laws weren't so suffocating if only i could speak or work or cook and travel like that and it's a subtle sin because it's always internal no one knows what you're dealing with this is an internal sin it's a, it's very subtle how the enemy works and believe it or not there is such thing listen to me there is such thing as godly comparison did you know that there is such thing as godly comparison. I'm going to give you just a few examples, then we'll go on to the sin of comparison. The Bible says in Hebrews 6.12, so, so that you may not be lazy, but imitators of those who, who through faith and patience inherit the promise. So in order to see what they've done, you've got to compare yourself to where you're at. To say, I want to be godly like that. So there's a degree of comparison when you want to imitate someone. When you want to see, when, you, when your goal is to be like them spiritually. Are you with me? Even Paul the Apostle talked about the Macedonian church. How they were a generous church. How they were in deep poverty. And how they didn't have a lot of money. And Paul says, uh, in comparison, he's telling the uh, Corinthian church, uh, you have a lot more resources in comparison to Macedonian church who doesn't have. And yet, why don't you begin to be generous like them? And so Paul uses the comparison in a godly way. And here's where we need to really train ourselves. Here's where we really, really need to discipline ourselves is comparison needs to get away from envy, needs to steer away from pride, from covetousness, self-pity, and it needs to be in the place where we're imitating Christ to be more Christ-like. You guys are quiet out there. I don't know what's going on. There is a young lady by the name of, I believe her name is Jaquel Crow, And she writes this thing about social media and society. She says, we are plagued by comparison. We compare our bodies, our jobs, our families, our skills, our stuff, our intellects. An ever-increasing desire for complete satisfaction. We want to be attractive, successful, happy. So we measure ourselves against the people around us. But instead of resulting in contentment or satisfaction, our comparison delivers compulsive jealousy, pride, and shame. We envy those who are better than us. We look down on those who are worse than us. And once we've started comparing ourselves, we slide into bitterly an insatiable cycle. The more we compare ourselves, the more we need to compare ourselves. It's an addiction. We're on quest for acceptance and joy, but are paralyzed by the pressure to look, do, and be better than the people around us. Because of this, we are distracted from our purpose, our mission, and need to pursue holiness. This is why comparison is deadly. Can anyone relate to that? 
And those of you that are so holy, just keep shining your halo. The rest of us this morning, uh, we're dealing with comparison. The rest of us this morning, we deal with this spirit because it's all around. And here's the best, best big question today. How can you begin to look at yourself and know that, you know what? In Christ, I have enough. Hallelujah. And so we look in John chapter 20, 21 here of our text. And I'm going to give you the context of what's going on here. Uh, in John chapter 21, uh, it really spotlights Peter's relationship with Jesus. But in John chapter 20, the previous uh, chapter, and I want to give you the context, Jesus is already resurrected. And the Bible says the disciples have seen him. They've seen Jesus uh, in physical body. They've seen him now uh, arise from the dead. And what happened in John chapter 21, for some reason, Peter says, you know what? I'm going to go fishing. They go back to doing what they were doing. And and the other disciples join in. And, and Pastor Isaac just read the scripture where they're out fishing again. And they're out doing their own thing. And, and they pretty much have forgotten now. Jesus had resurrected in chapter 20. Uh, chapter 20 now they're in chapter 21. And they're back to fishing and doing their thing. And when you read the end of chapter 20. You'll begin to read that. It makes this statement. It almost seems like. This whole book of John is over. In John chapter 20, verse 30, I'll just give you the context. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in the book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may also, or you may have life in his name. So you would think that's a good place to end the chapter or to end the book. But the Bible starts in John chapter 21 because it focuses on Peter. We have to remember Peter denied Jesus three times. And John doesn't want to leave that part out to let you know that Peter was restored. Peter came back. Thank God. Hallelujah. He came back and got restored. And so it almost seemed like John, after he makes this statement, says, oh, but I need to tell you guys about what happened to Peter and how this whole thing got restored. And so the Bible says they come back to shore. As Pastor Isaac shared earlier today, they came back to how great is it, is it when, you're, when you're fishing and they're cooking breakfast and the Lord has made breakfast for you. I mean, fish and bread. Fish and chip. I mean, come on. That's got to be the awesome thing right there. I don't know if I've ever had that for breakfast. Who does? Who eats fish for breakfast? Anybody here? All right. I've been in the Philippines. They, they have fish for breakfast. You eat for, wow. I didn't know that. The fish and eggs or just fish? Oh, fish and eggs, really. Catfish and eggs. Wow. All right. That's pretty unique right there. So we got catfish and eggs. So anyway, I don't know what kind of fish it was. And Jesus, uh, it could have been sushi. We don't, we don't know. So they, they're finally there. And uh, Jesus in John chapter 21, remember Peter had denied Jesus three times. And it's unique what Jesus begins to ask Peter in John 21 verse 18. Truly I say to you, when you were young, I just read that scripture, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you were old, you would stretch yourself again, and, and then he would stretch out your hand. Another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. You're going to, basically he was saying, you're going to die by crucifixion is what he was telling him. And then he said this to show by what kind of death he would glorify God. And after this, again, he said, 
follow me. So Jesus tells them, this is how you're going to die, Peter. This is what's going to happen. But then he gives them the command to follow him. Now, you would think at that point that Peter would say, yes, Lord, uh, you've given me another chance here. You're giving me another chance to redeem myself. I'll follow you. I'll do wherever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. But instead, Peter puts his foot in his mouth. And when Peter, uh, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, in verse not 21, what about him? That, that's the wrong question. Because you have to remember, Jesus had told Peter in that conversation, Peter, if you, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Uh, and he asked him again three different times. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And you would think at that point that, that Peter would have got the picture that, you know what, uh, Peter, you're going to be an awesome man of God. Uh, yes, you're going to feed my sheep. You're going to be a leader one day. But instead, Peter is distracted uh, by a guy by the name of John. Uh, and he's looking at John uh, and he's saying, Lord, what about him? Because our problem is we're always comparing ourselves. And there's a cost to that comparison. Comparison will cost you some things in your life. Because comparison always focuses on us. Are we better than or worse than somebody else? I, I read this. The cost of comparison is pride. How many are familiar with pride? I mean, sometimes we got a head so big, we can't even get into the room. I mean, look at this picture. Why don't you put that picture up, guy? See, the head, so you, you have to have a cart carry the head there. See that? It's actually a true statue. At first I looked at it, I go, what is that statue? Like, that statue is carrying his own head on a cart, man. It's so heavy. It's so big. Anyway, I thought it was kind of cool. <laughs> so... So what happens when we begin to get full of pride, we live, listen to me, in the land of Ur, E-R. What does that mean? Land of Ur. We want to be thinner, richer, happier, better, smarter, prettier, healthier, right? We, we live in the land of Ur. When you see people, you go, That's, he's living in the land of Ur over there. Remember the Pharisee in Luke chapter 18, the, the Pharisee, he said, Lord, I'm, I'm glad I'm not like this man. Remember, he's praying, I fast, and then there's this man there. He's just uh, asking for the mercy of God. And look at what the Pharisee says. He said, thank you, Lord, I'm not like other men who are robbers, evildoers, uh, adulterers, tax collectors. Uh, again, uh, we think we're worthier, right? We think we're shinier, right? Uh, and so all of these, the land of Ur causes us to have this pride. And, and, and believe it or not, I think Christians, man, we have a PhD when it comes to pride. Instead of fiercely trying to be humble, we got a lot more pride than we're willing to admit. I read this quote. This is going to hurt. Are you ready for it? If you feel like you have reason to boast... Because you're still a virgin, because you're a heterosexual, or because you've never been divorced, then you need a fresh dose of God's grace. As long as you're looking up to God for salvation, you cannot look down at anyone else. Wow, that's pretty heavy, huh? The Bible says this in Romans 12, 3, not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. 
When I think of our salvation, we did nothing to deserve our salvation. We were dead. We were lost. Uh, we were on our way to hell. We were completely unworthy. We contributed nothing to being saved except our sin. And yet somehow we take pride in ourselves. We boast, uh, and we should boast about nothing else but the cross of Jesus uh, at his death on the cross. Pride, believe it or not, is the complete opposite of faith. You got nothing to be proud of by yourself. We're, we're all sinners. You didn't save yourself. You didn't do anything to earn that salvation. It's the grace of God. Grace is something you don't even deserve. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. None of those things. And, and if, we're, if we're not careful, pride begins to hijack us with comparison because we start comparing, well, at least I'm better than that person. And it leads to resentment. It leads to jealousy. It leads to all of these things. And I think that's kind of what's happening in this story with Peter. And I think Peter's kind of resenting John a little bit. I, I'm just kind of, kind of get that because the Bible says, if you read in John chapter 20, that when Jesus rose again in John chapter 20, that they ran to the tomb. And it was John that said, uh, uh, Peter, uh, Peter and the one that Jesus loved, which is John is referring to himself. Isn't that annoying that somebody would refer to themselves, the one that Jesus loved? Instead of saying me, it's the one that Jesus loved. He didn't love nobody else, but he loved me. That's kind of annoying when somebody says that already. And then he said that John outran Peter. Now, why do you need to point that out, that you won the, the race? Says he, he outran Peter in John chapter 20, verse 4. Uh, it said that he outran Peter and he reached the tomb first. And so John's writing this book. I just want to point out that me and Peter ran to the tomb, but I outran him. He followed me. I got there first. So I would think that Peter kind of did have a hint, just maybe just a tinge of a little bit of resentment, a little bit of anger when he mentioned that. And, and it caused something, kind of stirred up something. That's why maybe that's why he said, what about this guy? Because it causes a little bit of insecurity in us. Am I right? When we're comparing ourselves and, and when we're doing all of these things because we're, we're looking at other people, we're looking at what's going on in their lives. And I, I, I have a feeling when we look at the scripture that Peter was kind of resenting John and he was, he was looking at John and saying, man, what about him? And I love what, what Jesus says. He said, don't worry about him. You follow me. Can I tell you that's the universal call for every believer today is you need to follow Jesus. That's the universal call today. That is the answer to keep us from comparing ourselves. We need to just follow Jesus. We need to look to him. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 1, it says, let us run with perseverance the, the race that is marked out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. So we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. When you're running a race, I don't know if you know this, you may already know this, but if you've ever seen a, a, a people running a race on a track, you have to stay in your lane. If you get out of your lane or you happen to go in the next person's lane, you're disqualified. You have to stay in your lane the entire race. If you're, if you're running this track race, you've got to stay in your lane. If you move out of your lane, you can be disqualified. I think a lot of times when, we're, when we take our eyes off of Jesus, we, we get out of our lane. Turn to your neighbor and say, stay in your lane, man. Yeah. Follow Jesus. 
Follow Jesus. Stay in your lane. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Don't worry about how she can manage her kids and, and drink a Starbucks every day and do all that. Don't worry about that lady. God bless her. Amen. Don't worry about that this person has a nice car and has a nice house. Don't worry, man. This, thank God you have a house that you live in. Thank God for that. This, this, is, this is the beauty of the gospel is that God satisfies us. He's supposed to be our satisfaction. We're supposed to be grateful for what he's done. Recognize the unique call that God has on your life. And so Peter, does the, you know, he, 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 he should be thanking God because basically the Lord is saying, you're going to die for me. You're going to give your life for me. Now, when he tells Peter how he's going to die, we may at first think, well, why did he tell Peter that? Why did he? Why would you tell, hey, guess what, uh, Peter? You know, no hard feelings, but you're going to die for me later. And it wasn't done that way. He was telling Peter to uh, add the word of encouragement, like, hey, you might have felt this time, but guess what? Down the road, uh, you're going to give your life for me. You're going you're to be a leader. You're going to be a person that's going to give their life. You're, you're not going to compromise. And I think he was trying to tell Peter that down the road, you're going to be the man of God that, that you've always wanted to be. In fact, you're going to be willing to give your life. It doesn't matter. You're not going to deny, you're not going to deny me next time. In fact, tradition said that when Peter uh, was crucified, that he refused to be crucified like Jesus. He said, I'm not worthy to die the way Jesus died. And he was crucified upside down. That's somebody right there that's committed. That somebody that's had a change of perspective, he said, I'm not even worthy to die the same way. Crucify me upside down. And the Bible says that Peter, again, he's got this unique call. God's uniquely designed him. He's going to become a great leader in the church of God, and he does. But the thing about it is he keeps looking at John. And he said, don't worry about John. It's what Jesus is saying. Don't worry about what's going on in his life. You stay in your lane. Hallelujah. Don't worry about it. You know what Jesus said? If I, if I want John to stay here till I die, what is that to you? Don't worry about any of those things. And so many times in our own lives, God has uniquely made you. You got a unique call. Whatever, whatever you're doing in your life right now, whether you're a father and, and you work a job, man, you're providing for that family, whether you're a mom and you're raising those children, maybe your call is to raise some great kids. Maybe you're a school teacher, whatever it may be. You're teaching somebody. See, lots of times we're, we're worried about our call, but maybe God has uniquely called you to do what you're doing right now, and you're making impact right now in your life. Can I, can I be honest with you? I mean, I, we celebrate church planning. We celebrate sending out churches, but, but everybody's not called to pastor a church. Okay? And just because, just because all of us said, my goal is I got to pastor a church. No, your goal is to serve God and do what God's called you to do. You may be called just to serve here the rest of your life. We need some good people here. We need some solid leaders here. We need some pillars here. Everybody's not called to plant a church. So I'll be honest with you. Some of you don't even have the patience nor the love to go plant a church. Amen. You, you don't even like people. Why would you even plant a church? You can hardly put up with the people around you here. How are you going to plant a church? I mean, honestly. Can I just be honest with you? And these, these people you know real well. 
And then you're going to go try to meet strangers and love on them? You're going to say, man, I don't even want to be around these people. That, I'm, saying, I'm saying that to you to just tell you the truth. We're not all called to do that, but we're all called to do something for God and make impact where we're at. So be comfortable with the way God's called you. Don't compare yourself with other people. And when, when, you, when you're comfortable with that, I'll tell you what, you'll be secure. You'll stay in your lane. Peter, instead of celebrating what God was doing, and instead of saying, you know what, God's called me to do something, Jesus, the Bible says Jesus told him three times, feed my sheep. And when I think of that, maybe publicly Jesus was trying to restore him three times in public, the way Peter denied him three times in public. And when you look in the book of Acts, Peter became this great leader. He was the first one to preach the gospel in the book of Acts. And 3,000 people got saved. Maybe there's something with that call. And maybe Jesus was instilling something to prepare him for something later on. And maybe the fact that Peter did fall and Peter did deny would be his strength later on to help somebody else out. Could it be? And Peter became this great man of God. And it was at that moment Peter needed to be comfortable in his own skin. Am I right? Not worry about John. Not worry about what about this guy and what about that guy. And I love what Jesus says, you follow me. And I think that's what we need to really think about is are we following Jesus or are we worried about everybody else? You know, so many times as a pastor, I get people complaining, pastor, this person. I said, don't worry about that person. Oh, they posted this on Facebook. Don't worry about that. Pray for them. Oh, what about this? Just pray for them. Oh, they voted for, I don't care who they voted for. I, I, they just need Jesus in their life. I don't care what they like. They don't like. Uh, you know, some of us are, are involved in sideward battles. And you got a giant to fight, and you're, you're, with, you're, you're, you're fighting your brother. Remember when, when I'm going to just say this. Remember when King David, before he was King David, he was just a shepherd boy, and he goes and he's delivering cheese and bread to his, to his brothers, Right? They're eating cheese, man. They're all, uh, you know, and he gets there and, and, you know, cheese, you know, grilled cheese, whatever he's bringing, he's bringing it to them. And the Bible says he gets there and as he brings it, uh, his brother says, what are you doing here? His older brother. How come you don't go and take care of those sheep? Who's taking care of those sheep over there? And his brother's all mad at David. Like, what are you doing here? And, and, and he's kind of offended. And instead of David you know, getting into a big argument with him, he looks at him, he goes, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Because David begins to inquire, who is this giant? And his brother says, what are you worried about the giant for? Well, you know, you're not doing anything about it. You guys are all scared, hiding. I'm, at least somebody's saying something. But anyway, he doesn't get into an argument with his brother. He doesn't get into this sideward battle with his brother. He said, this, they're not a cause. There's something bigger than you, brother and sister. I'm fighting a real devil out there. There's someone I need to face out there. And I've used this illustration, but you, you ever seen those running backs, man? They're fast and they're quick. But you only gain yardage as you go forward. You ever seen those running backs? They run this way and they run that way. And they're running in style, but they're running sideways. You got to keep gaining yards. You got to run forward. Then they run so far back. And what, how come they don't want to go forward? They don't want to get hit. You know, if you're going to gain yardage, you got to get hit. If you're going to go forward, you're going to get hit. You got to fight the real battle that's ahead of you. 
Stop going out of bounds. You're going out of bounds. You're getting out of your lane. You're arguing with your brothers over here and brother over there and getting on Facebook over here. Forget all of that. People always ask me, Pastor, how come you don't respond? I don't need to respond, man. I got, I'm fighting the devil. I'm not fighting my brothers and sisters. I'm not worried about those battles. There's a bigger battle. I'm praying about bigger things. I'm not worried about so-and-so's opinion. God bless them. Everybody's got an opinion, but it's not going to change my life. I, 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 I've got the word of God. I've got Jesus. I'm staying in my lane. When everybody wants me to make political statements, I'm staying in my lane. Stay in your lane. That's for the politicians to talk about. I'm not a politician. I'm a preacher of the gospel. I'm preaching about Jesus. The answer is Jesus. That's my answer. Well, the answer is always Jesus. Yes, it is. It's always the answer. Even my iPad will tell you that. The answer is always Jesus. And if you just stay in your lane and not worry about what this person is doing, not worry, you follow Jesus. I said, you follow Jesus today. So I want us to bow our heads in reverence to the Lord today. Holy Spirit, we pray today, God, help us today to follow you. Help us to not be distracted. Help us to not compare ourselves with so many other things that are around us today. Lord, even as Peter, God, you had a unique call for him. He was a man of God. God, you were going to do some great things in his life. Only he couldn't see it. He was worried about what everybody else was doing. And didn't realize, God, what you had for him. And God, you told Peter, follow me. God, help us to recognize the call that you have on us. It's unique. Lord, whatever we're doing, whatever place you have us in right now, God, let us not compare ourselves with this person or that person and get involved in all these sideward battles, God. There are greater battles ahead that you have, God. Help us to stay in our lane today. Help us to follow you. God, as long as we got our eyes on you, we don't have to worry about those that are around us. We don't have to worry about what everybody else is doing. But, God, we need to follow you. In fact, your word begins in John. When you first call those disciples, you say, follow me. And, Lord, the chapter ends by telling Peter, follow me. It starts and ends with following you. And, God, today we pray, help us to follow you. Help us not to be distracted by comparing ourselves and so many things in this world that cause us to compare our physical bodies, our possessions, everything, God. It's not about that. It's about following you. So, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll reach across this room. And, Lord, there are people in this building right now. They're dealing with pride. They're dealing with insecurity. They're dealing, Lord, with peace. They're dealing with anxiety because, God, they're, they're, they're looking at others. They're looking at what everybody else is doing. Whatever, and, God, they're not. They don't see you as enough. And, God, you're more than enough. We don't need Jesus. Plus, all we need is Jesus. And he'll satisfy us today. So if you're in this room right now, or if you're listening online, you're here today. Maybe you came for the first time. Maybe someone invited you. I want to tell you today that there's a God in heaven that loves you. And he's reaching out today to you and saying these words, follow him. Will you follow him? Are you willing to give your life to him? Are you willing to surrender your heart to the Lord today? 
Are you willing today to say, Jesus, be Lord of my life? Because so many times we're pursuing so many other things that we've not really gotten down to the main thing. And the main thing is following Christ, giving your life to him today. So if you're in this room right now or listening online, be honest with God, be honest with yourself, and say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life. I need Jesus in my life today. If that's you, would you just raise your hand real quick and say, yes, back over there. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Anybody else in this room, just be honest with God. If there's ever a time we need to be honest, if there's ever a time we need to put our pride aside, is right now. Honestly, the Bible says we're sinners. We fall short of the glory of God. We're, there's none righteous, not even, we're not even good enough. Your good deeds aren't good enough. They make no merit to God. The Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags to God. So you may think you're pretty good, and guess what? You're not good enough by yourself. You need God's grace. You need his love. The Bible said the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And so today, God wants to give you a new life. It's his gift. But you have to be willing today to surrender your heart and say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life. Be willing to humble yourself and admit you need Jesus in your life. But you can't make it to heaven on your own. You need the Lord in your life right now. If that's you, just raise your hand. If you haven't raised it up already, say, Pastor, I need Jesus. God bless you, young man here. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just be honest with God. Say, I need the Lord in my life. I need Christ in my life. Doesn't matter what walk of life you come from, who you are, where you grew up. There's a God in heaven. He knows you. He knows your name. You're not here by coincidence. I'm going to tell you again. It's too coincidental to be a coincidence that you're here today listening to this message. God's trying to reach you today. He's reaching out to you this morning. Just raise your hand if you haven't raised it up already. Say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life. Humble yourself. Raise your hand. Say, that's me. Would you pray for me? I need the Lord in my life. Anyone else right now across this room? Somebody else over here. God bless you. Who else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Maybe you were once walking with God. Maybe at one time you were once serving the Lord, and you've kind of just walked away from God. You're not walking with God right now. You need to rededicate your life to him. Raise your hand. Say, that's me. I need to come back to the Lord. Who are you? Anybody at all? Just raise your hand. Say, that's me. That's me. I need to come back. I need to come back. That's me. I need to come back to the Lord. Who are you today? God's waiting on you. I don't want you to leave here the same way you came. If you raise your hand, look up at me over here. You mean that over here? You mean that? You mean that? Can I, can I pray with you guys? Can I pray? Would you guys just stand to your feet and just come right here? Just come. I'm not here to embarrass you. Over here, this young lady. Just come. This young man. Come on. Give these people a hand. Pat for them. Just come face me right here. Several people are coming. God bless you, man. God bless you, brother. God bless you, man. Good to see you. God bless you. Hi. God bless you. Hi. God bless you guys. Anybody else you want to come? I'm going to pray with these folks here. Why don't you guys pray with me out there? Why don't we all bow our heads and close our eyes? And those of you that came forward today, I want you to just repeat this prayer. Don't repeat it to me, but just say this prayer to God and mean it in your heart. Repeat these words and say it out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose again. 
I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of all my sins. Change my life. Make me a new person. From this day forward, I will serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray for them. Father, we thank you today. Let your grace, let the love of God this morning be poured, o- be poured out over their lives this morning. We pray let the grace of God, let the love of God be poured into their soul, be poured into their lives today. I pray, God, today that they're going to leave different than they came. I pray a touch of your spirit upon them in the name of Jesus. We give you praise. Keep praying. Why don't we stand together this morning? Whatever it may be, maybe you're dealing with some anxiety. Maybe you're dealing with some insecurity in your life. Maybe you've been kind of operating out of your lane this morning. And maybe that spirit of comparison has got you down and depressed. And really, Jesus said, don't worry about them. Just follow me. Maybe we need to make a just fresh commitment. I'm just going to follow Jesus. I'm not going to worry about everybody else. I'll pray for people, but I'm not going to worry. They're not going to be the priority of my life. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to open up the altar. You come right now. They're going to just lead us in worship this morning. You come. Whatever you want to pray, whatever you want to talk to God about this morning, you come right now. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.